What this psalm does, it defines this heart. It unpacks this heart. This psalm also, from our lives, it calls forth this heart. And so one of the questions we're asking ourselves as we go through this series on the life of David, am I a man or a woman after God's own heart? Is this something that I'm seeing in my life? Is this something that's just words or is it something that's real? So we're going to find that out today. Psalm 15 becomes a beautiful examination of our hearts. Hi, friends, and welcome back to Live in the Light. We're thankful again that you have chosen to make Live in the Light a part of your day today, and you've joined us in the middle of our series on the life of David. And just a reminder, we'd love to hear from you. If God's been stirring in your heart or challenging you or growing you in ways, uh, we would love to get that encouragement from you to hear what God has done in your life. You can reach out to us through our website at liveinthelight.ca, or you can pick up the phone even and call us at one 844 light Reminder, that's L-I-G-H-T. Well, Pastor Robbie, continuing on with David's life today, uh, there's a strong word in there for us as we look at God's word for maybe the heart today that's, that's maybe not sensing the presence of God or maybe even feeling distant from God. David's life, Craig, as we know, is really summarized in a man after God's own heart. So a man or woman who's longing after God's heart fundamentally is longing for the presence of the Lord to fill their life. Let me ask you today, our beloved listener here at Living the Light, maybe you're in a place where you don't feel God is so close to you. Maybe you feel there's a distance between you and the Lord. Maybe the the actual tangible presence of God is something that you haven't experienced in a long time. Do you believe God has forgotten about you? Today's message is really addressing all of those questions and really those fears that we have in our life. What does it mean to dwell in the presence of the Lord? How do we draw near to God as he draws near to us? How do we experience again and know and, and rightly want to feel the reality of his love upon us? So again, do you feel far off from God? Do you feel like he's somewhere far away from you? Well, we pray today in Jesus' name through Psalm 15, you will learn from David's life as he went through the same struggles, but he had some answers. His answer was always the Lord. So listen in today, maybe to lean forward, get your Bible open, and get ready to hear from God. But be careful, your life might actually be changed. And that's why we're on the radio, so we pray it would. Amen. And we do pray that your lives be changed to the glory of God as we go verse by verse now through Psalm 15. Here again is Pastor Robbie with today's message. So we're now going to Psalm 15 together in the moments we have. I'm not planning on being super long today due to the nature of our service, but God help us to be effective and efficient right now and fruitful in your word. I think Psalm 15 is a tremendous Psalm to do this. Why? It was written by David, but more than that, okay, David we know in the whole series, David was a man after God's own heart. And what this Psalm does in Psalm 15, this Psalm describes this heart. So that's very then very helpful. This will be a very fruitful time. What this psalm does, it defines this heart. It unpacks this heart. This psalm also, from our lives, it calls forth this heart. 
And so one of the questions we're asking ourselves as we go through this series on the life of David, am I a man or a woman after God's own heart? Is this something that I'm seeing in my life? Is this something that's just words or is it something that's real? So we're going to find that out today. Psalm 15 becomes a beautiful examination of our hearts. There's been many university students in the past couple of months that have been writing uh, final exams. There's many high school students in the past couple of weeks or maybe still currently, you're writing final exams. And the rest of us who aren't officially students right now, we're jealous of not having final exams, right? Right? Maybe not, right? But we take a final exam today as we go into summer, but this is a beautiful exam. This is exam of our hearts. Where are we? How are we doing before the Lord in this way? I want to get right to the text. I want you to look at verse one. Verse one sets up the entire psalm. Verse one is a question. The rest of the psalm answers this question. Look intently at verse one. David says, O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? Say it again. Oh Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? I believe this question, loved ones, right here in verse one is one of the most important questions uh, proposed in scripture or asked in scripture. Here is David. (coughs) David is opening up his heart and he is desiring to know this profound question. God, who is it that may dwell in your presence? Oh Lord, oh God, who is the person that may enjoy fellowship with you? That's a pretty massive question. Notice the two verbs used in verse one. The word sojourn and dwell. As one commentator says, in the Hebrew, these two verbs, sojourn and dwell, are emphasizing a temporary nature of residence. It's a temporary, you're, you're, you're a guest in the house of God, so to speak. So the noun derived from the same root describes a resident alien. And a resident alien is someone who doesn't deserve to be there, but they have been granted permission, not by their own rights, but by the gracious permission of the landowner. This is what's happening here within this text. So why in verse one is the Holy Spirit leading David to stress a nature of temporary dwelling? Here's why. Because in the reality of our God and us as sinners, not one of us deserves to dwell in the presence of God. Not one of us can go before God and say, I have my list of the good deeds I've done. I have gained favor with you, God, based on what I have done in my works. I am a a good person. I can now uh, merit my access into your presence. No one can ever do that because God cannot tolerate even one sin. So here we are looking at this question, and who can dwell in the presence of God? Only the person who can dwell in God's presence is only there because of God's grace. Now, anyone who's alive right now in the Lord Jesus Christ, or who isn't even alive right now in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you consider this, man, that should humble us right now. This should cause us to feel pretty broken in ourselves because the only way we have any hope of any any access into God's presence and hearing from him and knowing his love, let alone being saved by him and granted eternity in heaven with him is because of his grace. By grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, Ephesians 2 says. And so right from the start, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell in your holy hill? God caused that to humble us even now. But here's what's amazing from this text and what we're going to see. 
as we go through the psalm right now is that God desires, though, his children to dwell with him. God desires that we would not be far from him. God longs that his children would not be separated, but restored and brought to fellowship of intimacy with him. That alone is amazing to me. The God of the universe, he, he owes us nothing, loved ones. He owes us nothing. God could erase us in a heartbeat, man. Like, again, there's, there's nothing that he has to do for us. We deserve to die. We deserve hell. We deserve his wrath upon us because of our rejection against him. And yet, remember, the whole story of this book, the entire Bible, is one story of redemption. The moment man sins, God puts his plan of reconciliation into place, of restoring his children to himself. In the whole Bible, the reason Jesus Christ came is ultimately God's plan of redemption to restore his children to his presence, to fellowship with him. And that's why then verse one is loaded. It's a loaded, powerful, incredible question. God, who dwells with you? God, who is a guest at your house? God, who may know your presence? And David knows a lot about this. And just in case there's any doubt about this, notice in verse one, David uses the word tent. Other translations use tabernacle. And what was the tabernacle? but the very place where men met with God. You see, David longs to reside in the tabernacle because that's in his context where God is. And David longs to be in the presence of God. David hungers. David wants so much, again, to be in the very presence of his God because that's where he knows life is lived. Loved ones, just take a moment right now, a little spiritual timeout, step back far enough from David's life and notice this. The mark of David's life was his hunger for the presence and the glory of God. The very thing that set him apart, the single greatest characteristic that made him a man after God's own heart is that he longed insatiably for the very presence of the Lord as is proven again here in Psalm 15, verse one. Some of you are like, well, that's just one verse. Well, let me give you a couple of more then that David said. Here's another verse I want you to see. David says, Psalm 24, one thing have I asked of the Lord. One thing, got my attention. It's got my attention. What is it? That I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, the tent, the dwelling place, the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To do what, David? To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And this was the secret of David's life. One thing have I asked for, I seek after. I want to dwell in the house of the house of the, the tent of God all the days of my life. There's another verse that you'll be familiar with, Psalm 23. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. I'm always trying, never mind, right? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David's so fired up about the house of the Lord. David's so hungering for that, and the presence, all he wants to be is to be with his God. This marked his life. Question, does it mark your life? This is the single difference between the lukewarm Christian and the Christian fired up and being used for the Lord. They hunger for him. You go to the fridge because you hunger for food. You go to the TV because you hunger to be entertained. You go to the sporting event because you long to, in a sense, worship that sports team. You go to your Lord because you long and hunger to worship him. 
and you will feed yourself on that which you truly hunger for. This was the secret and the power of David's life. So no wonder than the first two words of Psalm 15, verse one, he says, oh Lord, because that's where all of life begins. Oh Lord. Now understand David's not saying, oh Lord, or oh Lord, or oh Lord, or he's going, oh Lord, oh Lord, oh, oh reverence to my God, oh Lord. Oh, Lord, I need you. Oh, Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent and who may dwell in your holy hill? So this is the question David is asking in verse one. Who is the one who dwells in the presence of the Lord? And now the rest of this psalm details this answer. Okay, question, or verse one is the question. Who dwells in the presence of the Lord? And now verses two to five give the answer. If you're like me, God's word has your attention now. If you're like me right now, you're like, man, I, I'm living for this. I'm living for this. This is my life. So now I want to know who is it that dwells in the presence of the Lord because that is the defining path for my life. Then. And I pray you're on the same page as I am because there's nothing more important. Who will dwell in the presence of the Lord? And what we see from verses two to five, we're going to break it down this way, five characteristics that will be seen in the man or woman after God's own heart who will dwell in the presence of the Lord. This list is not exhaustive. It is a summary of the characteristics that will be seen in the individual who is seeking to be filled with the presence of the Lord. Point number one, you want to dwell in the presence of the Lord? Number one is this, and I will live with integrity. I will live with integrity. Now, some of you might be listening the last couple of weeks and you'd be like, but we just did integrity a couple of weeks ago. I know, I told you God cares about it a lot. When you're reading God's word, man, look for repeated themes. The Holy Spirit wrote this book called the Bible. He does not waste a word, okay? When you see repeated themes in scripture, notice them, see them, and understand God seems to have something he wants us to know over and over again. This is another area, the importance of God, of integrity within our lives. Verse two says this, he who walks blamelessly and does what is right, who shall sojourn in the tent of God, dwell on his holy hill? He'll, <clears throat> he who walks blamelessly, and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart. Now, the word blameless here does not imply I don't sin. Uh, this is not sinless perfection. Rather, it's a way of life. It's the whole of my life is going in the direction of the Lord. Remember, we define integrity as living one life. Living one life, then, is the aim, uh, the goal, the desire, the passion of my life is to set my heart upon the heart of God, the ways of God, and the power of God. So the person who's seeking the Lord, their integrity-filled life, they are walking in the direction of the Lord. Integrity moves the individual through what they say and how they think and what they do. They are walking in the direction of the Lord, okay? Just as a compass points north, Integrity in our lives points to the Lord. We are walking. Integrity, I'm walking towards the Lord. I am hungering for him. A lack of integrity, what happens is we get sidetracked by sin, sidetracked by bad friends, sidetracked by idolatry, sidetracked by ourselves. And instead of walking to the Lord, we are sidetracked and end up falling in the ditch. Integrity gets up out of the ditch by God's grace and says, no, no, my path, I am to be walking in the direction of the Lord. Again, that's why this book is our compass. Because when you're wandering all around and you're lost and you open up God's book, 
Not for a legalistic pursuit of God, but a genuine love for the Lord. You open up the book, and what the book does is says, go north. Go to the Lord. And then you're like, you, you see your mind, and your heart connects, and then you begin to walk in the direction of the Lord, which will be happening even now in Psalm 15. That's why this book is so precious. Shows us where to go and who to be by the strength and the power of the Lord. This is what integrity is. Now, one thing I want to be very clear before we get any further into this text. We are receiving from Psalm 15 a very specific call to righteousness from our lives. The person who wants to dwell in the presence of the Lord, they must have integrity. They got to walk as blameless. But again, I want something to be very clear right now. And this is an important teaching point. David is teaching in the perspective of the old covenant. David obviously is teaching from the Old Testament here, and in the Old Testament and under the Old Covenant, loved ones, listen, blessings and cursings were given out, depended upon the behavior of God's people. We, of course, are in the New Covenant now. We are post-Christ and post his death and resurrection. And under the New Covenant perspective, we are now living in a, this is a great spot for an amen, okay, when I'm done this sentence, okay? Under the New Covenant, we are in a place now where all of our blessing is solely found in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Okay, okay, that's a huge amen. Because if it's up to us, we're dead. But it's not up to us because Jesus Christ has done it for us. Now, some of you understood what I said. Some of you didn't. Let's try to take another lap around the track and see if we can gain some more followers, okay? So here we go. Under the old covenant, this is helpful, okay? Under the old covenant, a righteous walk was the precondition for fellowship with God. I could not draw near to God unless my life was in obedience to God. So that's why God says, if you obey, you're blessed. If you disobey, you're cursed. Deuteronomy, they get all over the place, right? It's all conditioned upon, you can obey, not going to obey, you will be blessed or cursed. It's a precondition. A righteous walk was the precondition for fellowship with God. Under the new covenant, a righteous walk, listen, listen, huge difference. A righteous walk now, the righteousness in our, is the result. It's the result or the fruit of fellowship with God, which is huge, huge, founded on faith. Faith. By grace, you've been saved through faith. Faith is a starting point, not our works. But faith, when genuinely lived in our lives, results in genuine fellowship, which results in genuine fruit. That's why 1 John 1, 6 says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we are in darkness, we lie. Okay, so again, time out. In a room this size, there are always people, and we heard it through testimonies today in baptism. People say they're saved. They say they're Christians. And whether they believe it or not, or they know they're pretending. The people in this room right now, I don't know who they are, God does. You say you know Christ. You say you're a Christian, but the reality is you're in darkness. Your life, the fruit of your life is not indicative of a genuinely transformed person in Jesus Christ. So here's a word of truth, a word of grace and love today for you. And only the Lord can decide how this is distributed right now. I, I can't do it. I, I'm, I'm called to preach it. If we say we have fellowship with him, but we are in darkness, we lie. And we do not practice the truth. Because faith without works is dead. See, we're applying right now. What does it mean to practice the pursuit of the presence of God? Let me again, I've gained a couple more followers now. One more lap around the track. Let's see if we can get some more people on page. Okay, notice this, okay? Came up with this this week. I'm hoping this can be very helpful. The Christian life begins with faith in God. By grace, you've been saved through faith. 
when faith is initiated by the Lord and then we initiate faith in God, faith in God will always result in fellowship with God. Faith in God leads to fellowship with God. When I'm in intimacy or fellowship with God, from here then I see the fruit from my life. That's why you have someone standing up in the baptism tank today and they're like, man, before nothing was happening, all of a sudden Christ came into my life and now my life is changed. I'm bearing fruit for him. Why? Faith led to fellowship, led to fruit. We don't come up with fruit on our own, not genuine fruit, right? So what happens is when faith in God leads to fellowship with intimacy and then naturally from here there must be fruit and the brilliant part is when I see fruit for God increases my faith and the circle continues intimacy and I start seeing this pattern throughout my life. Yes, it begins here. It begins here. Salvation begins here. Faith in Christ, what he's done for me. But it leads to intimacy with God, leads to fruit for God, but then it increases my faith and the intimacy again with God and more fruit for God. And we're to be going and growing like Jesus Christ on an upward motion. This is why, again, James 2 says, faith without works is dead. If you say you have faith but no genuine fruit, that can't be real. This is why John 15, verse 5, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I abide in you, he it is that bears much fruit. If you abide in me, faith, and I abide in you, fellowship with God, he that it is that bears much fruit, apart from me, you can do nothing. So as we go through this psalm today, we're understanding everything begins in faith, but the natural result of faith is fellowship with the Lord, sojourning in his tent, and from there, there must be fruit. There's going to be bad times and hard times and difficult times, but the reality is if we're saved in Jesus Christ, this process must happen through our lives by the grace of God. From that understanding, now we can begin to call ourselves to righteousness that is in Christ, but is to be seen through our lives as well. So notice in verse 2 again, notice the combination now. I want to sojourn in the presence of the Lord. Notice, I will walk blamelessly with integrity, but I will also speak truth in my heart. So as we understand pursuing the presence of the Lord, what's in my mind can't be separated from, again, what's in my heart. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So mind, heart, and then, and then speech. Notice integrity begins in the heart. It is seen by our walk and heard through our lips. The power of the fellowship with the Lord. One of my favorite stories is John Payton, who was a missionary to the cannibals. And he was in a tree as the cannibals were trying to hunt him down and kill him. And he's such a life of integrity. He gave up everything. He lost wives, children. He was serving the Lord in the power of the gospel. He's hiding in a tree all night long as guns are being shot around him on the ground, trying to hunt him down and kill him. And he, he, he testifies that in that moment, he says, I was alone, but not alone. And the glory of the Lord and the presence of God came so near to me. I felt like I was going to explode with joy in the midst of hiding in a tree from people trying to kill him and eat him. And he testifies to an intimacy of the Lord that is so supernatural, it really can't be understood in human terms. That, I mean, I just read that stuff and I'm just like, wow, that's awesome. The greatest thing John Payton had going for him was the pursuit and the hunger and the integrity of the Lord that led to a fellowship with God and fruit from his life. We've got to move on to number two. If I'm going to dwell in the presence of the Lord, this will happen. I will love with fidelity. I will love with fidelity. We're seeing the person dwelling in the presence of the Lord. Look at verse three now, verse three. Notice, who's this person? Who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach 
against his friend. I want you to notice here, loved ones, okay, we're again, who's the person who dwells in the powerful presence of the Lord? Notice all three indicators here are all about personal relationships in our lives, interpersonal relationships and sin against another human being. Each one here, notice, notice, um, in my speech, slander against others. In my actions, do evil to a neighbor against others. Uh, Personal sin in attitude. Um, The person doesn't take up reproach. Blaming others against another. So what's really happening here, we have a person refusing to do evil, but resolving to love. It's a love that's filled with fidelity or faithfulness. But again, I want you to see this. All three are describing a relationship we have with other people within our lives. And the greater context is, if I want to be a man or woman dwelling in the presence of the Lord, then I must be aware that personal sin against other people in my life, that will be a tremendous inhibitor to seeing God's power flow through my life. Fidelity, love, Faithfulness, never underestimate that. Do I want the presence of God within my friendships? Well, then faithfulness and love has to be at the center. Do I want the presence of God within my marriage? Obviously, fidelity and love is massive. This is why repentance is such a big deal. I've shared with you in the past times where to my wife, Jill, I, I, in my pride and stubbornness and all my sin, but then coming to the place of faith and saying, I need to repent of my sin. And as you're repenting of your sin before your wife, the grace of God begins to flow down and just breaks you and humbles you. And in the moment you're melted and you sense his love and grace. Why? Because God blesses a love that is filled with fidelity and humility and longing for his purity. Do you want the presence of God within your church? Fidelity, unity, love, and the truth of the Lord. Again, I've literally witnessed leaders repent of slander and evil to one another and blaming someone else. They've repented of that in true brokenness and bam, the Holy Spirit shows up and just floods the place. It's awesome. At the same time, I've watched leaders refuse to humble themselves, to be hard-hearted and stubborn, and they become, they literally become Holy Spirit repellent. Just think about your life right now. Who is the person who dwells in the tent of God? Who is the person that knows the presence of the Lord? We do not want to become Holy Spirit repellent. Love and fidelity is massive. Um, I'm not a big fan of clogged pipes. Any form of clogged pipes generally tends to bug me a lot, okay? Let's say a clogged pipe in a home, part of the plumbing. Definitely a clogged pipe in the heart. That's a big problem. Clogged pipe in some part of the car. It always seems to go wrong, doesn't it? Something isn't working right and the flow is stopped and the blockage occurs and the thing cannot operate the way it's been designed to operate with power. Listen here. When we have issues of interpersonal sin in our lives, when we have relationships right now that we are not good with, when we are holding bitterness, when we are resentful, when we are harboring unforgiveness, when we are attacking other people, when we are gossiping, when we are sitting in here in a place that we're supposed to be filled with love and we are actually being used to sin against one another, that could be one of the greatest indications of why God's power is not seen through your life. Take your exam right now. Let it flood through your life. Is that true for us right now? Is that true for your heart right now? Are there issues of interpersonal sin, slander, doing evil, blaming others? And that's why the presence of God has not been known in your life, maybe in a very long time. Integrity matters to the Lord so much. Fidelity matters to the Lord so much. 
Number three, this, purity matters to the Lord so much. I will long for purity. If I'm gonna be a man or woman dwelling in the presence of the Lord, the heart after his, I will long for purity. Look at verse four now. See, like the list is continuing. Notice, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord. This is the person who sojourns in the tent of God in, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but then honors those who fear the Lord. When I read that verse this week, I thought of Romans 10 right away, or Romans 12 right away. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. This is who the Christian is supposed to be. You, you, you despise evil, not despising the person themselves, but you despise the sin within that person. So the more we are transformed in Christ, what happens? We are transformed in Christ. We align ourselves with God. And as we align ourselves with God, we think like God as well. Why? Why? Because loved ones, God has no pleasure in evil. Thanks for listening to Live in the Light today. If you'd like to hear this message again or any messages in this series, visit us online at liveinthelight.ca. We are excited to let you know that Live in the Light is now available on iTunes. Our daily broadcast can be delivered to your phone or device via podcast. Each episode is up there for you to listen to as they become available live on the air. Check out our website and subscribe to get Pastor Robbie's most recent messages. That's all for today. Join us next time at Live in the Light.